Obviously, those who have been mainstays of the scene are the ones that I'm much more knowledgeable about, right? So Doubt, Yo, Leary, Hera, Viper, MBL. Whew. <laughs> no one's really, like, asked me that pointedly recently. Start this by talking about how you first started your career as a host. And, you know, this is a story you've told many times before in interviews. So I'll just try to summarize it for my viewers. Back okay. in 2013, you had recently graduated from drama school, right? But you were still working as a bartender on the side. And uh, yes. at the bar, one of the customers you often talked with happened to be working for Riot. And she convinced you to apply for a job with them. They did end up hiring you. But... Uh, you wanted to be an actor all your life, and that's kind of the part I want to concentrate in. Uh, now, myself, I'm a classical pianist, in case you didn't see it. And uh, after reading you describe your childhood as an actor in other interviews, I was struck by how similar our experiences seem to have been. You know, really? Coming home, yeah, coming home late from rehearsals, having to do homework after practicing for hours and stuff like that. And, you know, as a pianist specifically, if you somehow dream of having a career as a performing musician, a lot of us actually dread the day we'll graduate from college because there's just <laughs> no clear path at all for how to go from holding a diploma to actually getting enough engagements to make a living from performing alone. And so seeing as you were still working as a bartender after graduating, I wonder if this is also a common problem with actors and if this is the kind of situation you yourself uh, find yourself in back when you applied for a job at Riot. Yeah, I mean, I think oof, acting is such a is such a tricky beast because um, because I think so much of it is is about right place, right time. Um, and I I think some people are aware of that, and and some people unfortunately are not. You know, and maybe a little disillusioned that um, that hard work and grit can get you to where you want to be in. Uh, in the entertainment business. And, and, and again, I think you can attest that at times it's, it's not about that. You could be the best actor in the world. And if you just aren't in the right room with the right casting director, then you'll never make it, you know, and it, and it's not a reflection of your ability or anything like that. So, so, I mean, without a doubt, like the classroom is a safe space, right? You know, <laughs> Ooh, I get to go to college and I mean, the reality is I'm paying to act, you know, I'm paying a tuition in order for the privilege to act as opposed to the other way around, which is what you hope it to be. Um, right. In my case, I just had a goal, you know, as long as I'm, right. as I'm in college, I have a goal in front of me, you know, True. I want to have, I, I want to finish my degree. But once I graduate, what now? <laughs> what do you do? Exactly. I mean, and again, I think that's where so many people, they ultimately get lost because in their, in their brains, they say, I have the ability and the ability to act is what's going to make me successful. And in reality, th that is an important piece. If you don't have the ability to act, then I don't think you're going to, you know, move on to win an Oscar. But I actually think that's the last piece. That's the, the least important in some ways is your actual really? ability to act. Well, because it's the last thing that people see in some ways, right? Like, True. you have to, again, you have to get into the room. If you're not in the room, it does not matter how good you are. You've got to find a way to get your product, which is you, you are the product. You have to find a way to get your product in front of people. It's the same. It's maybe a good way to think about it is think about it like an entrepreneur. Okay. I've developed this product and I know it's useful. I know that it, you know, takes uh, 15 minutes out of a normal, you know, uh, dinner preparation, you know, whatever this thing I invented is, 
so people should want it. Okay, well, you have to get it in front of people. You've got to get it in front of the big retailers and the manufacturers. And then the product matters once you get there. But until you get there, it doesn't matter. And so I think you I think you put it very well, though, where it's like when you're in school, you always have an objective. It's about that grade or it's about that scene for scene class, you know, so you're just focused on that. And then you kind of get out into the big, the big blue world. And you're like, what the fuck do I do now? <laughs> right. Like, where do right. I go? Also, I didn't ask you if cussing was okay on your channel. And I just, that's, that's, <laughs> that's cool. I might have to bleep it, but don't worry. Okay, don't worry. Just let, loose. Just, just, <laughs> let loose my friend. It's all, Thank you. It's all good. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a scary place to be. Right. But, um, but also I will just say mm -hmm. that is what I enjoy about acting as well. I never wanted to have that, you know, certain cushy uh, office job where I knew what I was doing every day and it was just about finding a rhythm and a schedule. I always enjoyed working on a project for a finite amount of time, you know, doing and putting 100% of myself into it and then saying goodbye to it and moving on to something else. I, I don't really like being stuck in one place. Um, which is actually why a lot of people were always so curious throughout my 10 years at, at Riot, you know, is he going to stick around? Like, what's going on? Because I think I made that pretty evident to people early on in my career. I was like, hey, you know, everything's fair game. I, I could be, you know, Martin Scorsese offers me a role in a film tomorrow, I guys. I mean, come <laughs> on. Like, you know, you're not going to blame me either. <laughs> Right, James. Uh, but I, I wonder how was it like for you when you specifically when you accepted the job or when you applied for the job? So were you like in this limbo? I'm getting a few engagements, but not enough. So maybe I'll just take the shot and apply for Riot. Or did you actually really want to do this? I, I, I'm kind of wondering what was your mental the, phase looking like? The, the logic behind going through the whole kind of application process and interview process was really just not denying myself opportunities. Um, I was, you know, again, only a year out of college. I was very much in a place where luckily I had financial stability and support from my family and things like that. So I recognized I was, you know, in a position of privilege to, to, to be able to make maybe choices that other people would not be able to make right. in their lives. Um, but ultimately, it was just about not turning down opportunities. Um, and largely because I was starting to realize and come to terms with what we were just talking about. You know, I had an ego on me as an actor. Don't get me wrong. I thought I was. The, I mean, I still think I'm the shit. Right. You have to. If you're <laughs> if you want to be if you want to be a performer, you kind of have to have Absolutely. an ego. Right. But I definitely had one um, coming out of college, man. I thought again, I thought. One year, one year and I'm on the big screen, you know, like people are, you know, okay, well, one year went by and I was not on the big screen. And so when this opportunity presented itself to me, I'm not even a person who really thinks of, is like super spiritual or thinks of like, you know, the universe giving signs. But I was like, if ever there was a sign to that just explore an opportunity, it's this, because mm -hmm. I absolutely did not pursue it. It was it kind of fell onto my doorstep. Um, and in doing so, I said, okay, let's take a moment to breathe and think about this. This job is a weird confluence of all of the things that you love in life, mm -hmm. right? I grew up as an actor from age seven onward. Okay, I'm not acting per se, but I'm in front of a camera, entertaining people, talking about a game I love, and putting smiles on people's you know faces right, right. i 
was myself a gamer, you know, spent my entire life gaming longer than I, you know, I've been a gamer longer than I've been an actor by, We're only, gonna be few, talking about by, that, yeah. by only a few years. Right. And so again, I was like, well, it's in the gaming sphere. And not only that, I had been playing League of Legends for a year. It'd be one thing if, say, well, Overwatch wasn't around at the time, but right. since that's just but another if. big league. Mm -hmm. Like, if mm -hmm. Overwatch was around at the time and they had offered me a job, I don't know if I would have pursued It'd it be because skeptical. I just mm -hmm. simply wasn't playing the game and I didn't have this deep love for it. But League of Legends, I was already watching the World Championship on my own time as a fan. So now the idea of being the person who opens and closes closes the show was pretty cool um so there's that and then finally just the idea of sport and competition i was a, a runner started running you know uh early on in elementary school through high school through college and competed at you know nationals and and made all american there so again just kind of looking at a career opportunity that took three defining pillars of my life smashed them together and said here you go. I was like, oh my God, I would be absolutely crazy. You're there, forgive yourself if you didn't to, try, right? To not go have the conversation. And so mm -hmm. that's what I'll say is I really just told myself, go have the conversation. I almost didn't take the job, if I'm being honest. I got offered a, an initial job at Riot, which was for a role called Collegiate Specialist. And it was so not the hosting stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I spent a good hour talking to the hiring manager kind of through the whole situation. And actually he's the person who convinced me that that was not the role I should take and that I should push for something else because he, he saw it in me. He's like, ah, you want to do something else. And so <laughs> it was, it was kind of because of him that I even got further pushed over into the esports space. But um, anyway, there's a very long-winded, uh, you know, so answer funny. to how I how I got to a place that's, of. That's why we're here for a long-winded you know, answers, willing. my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, so acting was one of your passions, but it certainly wasn't the only one. You just said you also loved gaming, and if I'm not mistaken, Age of Empires still was one of the yes. first PC games you owned. Absolutely. So yeah, so I'd love to hear the story of how you first came into contact with it. So I here's the thing: I don't even remember. Like if I asked my parents for Age of Empires or if they just got it for me. I mean, again, that's me aging myself, I guess, in our demographic, you know, like my of friend, the audience. I can, you're, you're younger than me. Let's go with that. You're sure. younger than well, me. But so. You, okay, but so maybe you but maybe you can you can resonate with me in this feeling. It's what's so cool, and I, I say that I think it's very cool, but it is very strange. Right now in Age of Empires 2, with its, you know, revival over the last seven eight years on twitch whatever it's been right where it's really boomed it's been interesting to see a new wave of players who are all young right and they don't have the disc the disc gaming experience that we had <laughs> you know and i'm like okay there's two different like generations of age of empires player now and the, you know anyway with a um, lot of folks i think it came the demo came in a cereal i hear from a lot of people okay, you maybe know, that's what it was because yeah, i ate a yeah. lot of cereal as a kid. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, how young were you back then? Um, I had to have been, I mean, do you remember off the top, what was it, 1999? That it was 1999, released? Age of Empires 1999, yeah. right? That, so would, that was... would have been the Age of Kings, I believe, and then uh, the Congress I... expansion a little bit later. Yeah, so Age of Kings, I believe, to my recollection, I never played Age 1, at least not mm -hmm. as a kid. Um, so I would have been eight. I was born in 1991, so I would have mm -hmm. been I would have been eight, and that, that, that about tracks. I mean... I think before that, the only other games, like real games that I played, aside from like Putt Putt's Adventures for learning games, was uh, 
uh, Command and Conquer, Red Alert, Command and wow. Conquer. Very, yeah. very similar style game, right? So right. I kind right. of, I got turned on to RTSs. Um, and obviously that was kind of the wave of games at the time and, and found my way into Age of Empires 2. But I mean, I just played through the campaigns, you know, had n- absolutely no clue what I was doing. I'm Nobody sure like did. most like most people, <laughs> you know, I thought that the best way to win was to, to wall 400, you know, 400 times, build 15 castles, go full longbows, no siege and just kill people with like 120 longbows at range um that was pretty much my my age of empires gaming experience Mm -hmm. you know and then uh and then obviously i evolved through the rest of uh of of games and i think like a lot of people kind of you know age went to the back of my brain and dissipated um as as a game forever kind of held the spot of like you know favorite game or near Mm -hmm. and dear to my heart kind of until world of warcraft world of warcraft would be like the first game that really just took me in a different direction Mm -hmm. um but um but age i i you know played completely solo until high school and here's one little funny uh like tangent uh my sister's boyfriend in high school was a big gamer and we played world Mm -hmm. of warcraft together Mm -hmm. but then at some point it came up over one summer that like that age of empires we had both played it or remember that game or something like that right and so we we put together an Age of Empires two land party, uh, you know, uh, when land I was like fifteen so years old. Fun. Oh, it was so much fun! And so, but that was the first time I actually started playing really, truly with other people, and also people who were better gamers than me. Mm-hmm. And I started to actually look at and understand that this game was way more complex than I had remembered it. Right? I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. it's an RTS; it's very complex, but. But as a kid, I didn't think about it as such. And um, that was my first kind of experience looking at it as a competitive game. Mm-hmm. Again, it kind of dissipated from my my gaming uh Did you come repertoire. back to it when the HD version came out? That's when a lot of people came back to it. Would so no, I so actually only came back to it because of Twitch. Um, I came back, though, w- when we were still on Voobly. I mean, HD existed, but um, I was, I'm one of those people where I want to play where the best people are playing. Right. So I, I was literally just trolling around on Twitch one day, you know, now we're already, we're already fast forwarded to the point where I'm, yeah, we'll get to get there anyway, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, so whatever this was like maybe 2015, 2016, somewhere around there a a while back, I was, Mm -hmm. yeah, trolling around Twitch, saw Age of Empires 2 as a category. What the heck? People play this game still click in. And, um, I don't remember in all honesty, who was the first stream I clicked on? Because at this point, I Age of Empires is my most watched game on Twitch, actually. That's more amazing, than League. If you go amazing. and look at my stats, I watch more <laughs> Age of Empires than any other game. Um, so I, I truly don't remember if it was T90, if it was Viper. Um, 2015, we probably didn't have T90 just yet. Or he wasn't yeah, maybe whatsoever. Probably Viper. Yeah, exactly. TH, so, maybe Dreams. Something like were, that. Uh, right? those, those, those were the guys. Yeah. So you said you were you were a very competitive guy, and you mostly enjoyed gaming so for the multiplayer aspect of it. Did you have the chance to play back on uh, to play online back in the days as well? Do you remember the zone, for example? Like way way back in the day, I definitely did. Through like I played for a bit on God. What was the platform called? Um, the zone probably that was like the official the Microsoft zone. platform. Yeah, probably Microsoft Zone. That sounds familiar. There was another Zone.com. one though, with the word like fire in it or something, if I recall correctly. There was one other platform that you could like set up. There were up. so many. Um... I know. 
Uh, so not much. What I'll say is, right. what I'll mm-hmm. say is not much. Actually, funnily enough, the the Age of Empires game that I played multiplayer more of was actually um, what was it called Empire Earth, the like the one where you could go into yeah. space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, that one because it actually had more like multiplayer functionality. I played a little bit of that um, multiplayer, but honestly, not much. Again, once uh, World of Warcraft came out when I was in eighth grade, I basically became a World of Warcraft gamer and nothing else for, you know, the next uh, seven years. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Listen, James, uh, going back to your early days of hosting, you were hired by Riot in 2014, but I think the first time you actually hosted the LCS was in 2015. Um, Technically, I hosted summer of 2014, but it was the last four weeks of the split right the first so, whole season tr- was 2015, truly right? twenty fifteen. i also consider 2015 to be like <laughs> my real start but just for the historians out there week seven right. 2014 they'll get thanks you thanks for the correction <laughs> uh, and you know I, I i remember watching the lcs many times back then and not necessarily because i liked league of legends but okay. mostly because i was fascinated by the spectacle you know and by the production value of the whole show totally. and since you were always the one greeting me to the show for the longest time you were sort of the face of esports for me and you know one thing in particular I remember being totally struck by was just how unabashedly passionate about esports everybody seemed to be. You know, people mm-hmm. would, would get excited, people would scream and shout, and they might sound totally normal to some folks. But when I was growing up, James, gaming had a very bad reputation, and in mm. fact, it was very often discouraged. So, you know, for me to see grown-up men and grown-up women being so openly passionate about something I was also passionate about, which is so cool. Right. Now, uh, we both come from the same generation, roughly, so I wonder if you also had this experience growing up, that gaming uh, was just something you're supposed to grow out of. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I say this having wildly supportive parents who Mm -hmm. um, are very happy that I'm happy, love that I do what I do, but were even skeptical about the job itself, you know, as I was explaining to them and going through the hiring process. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, no doubt you go back to my childhood and I'm sure it was a lot like yours. Um, You know, gaming was, it was something I was allowed to do, but it was always kind of... um, uh, well, it was seen very much the same way that like TV time, you know, would be seen, right? right? As like, right. this is what you do once you've done, you've, you've completed all your responsibilities, you know, all, you know, you've, your room is clean, you've done your homework, you've already been to track practice, and, mm-hmm. you know, and rehearsal, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and generally, there were also limits, you know, um, limits I didn't follow. Sorry, mom. <laughs> but um, but I had, you know, it was like supposed to be X amount of time on the computer per day and and stuff like that. Um, you know, again, I think they did still see it. It wasn't like they thought ga- video games were the devil. You know, it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't in one of those families. Uh, they absolutely saw the value from an entertainment perspective. But that is where it stopped, you know, right. for my parents was, okay, this is entertainment. This is a reward. Uh, but it is, you know, it's not a lifestyle. I, at the time, already thought it was a lifestyle. Lucky for us, it became a lifestyle (laughs) and something that we could shape our lives around. But I do think all the time about like, oh my God, if I was born a decade sooner, none of this would have been, you know, like I would have missed all of this. And likewise, if I was born a decade later, I think a lot about like, well, sure, I'd be coming up more in the prime time of gaming, but the position that I hold now would not have been available to me. So I really was kind of born in a, in a sweet spot. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to end up with the relationship that I have with gaming, which I do think is a unique one. We are in that generation of having experienced kind of life before the internet, right? you know, and life after the internet. And, mm-hmm. um, and not everybody who plays games nowadays knows what that feels like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Even for me, it's unthinkable. Just to think back how it was back then. It's, it's a, it is so wild to think yeah. back about right? how, like, I no just went, phones. I'm like, Oh my God, just going through my day, man. Again, the fact that, you know, we'd be, I'd be playing a game and the phone would ring at home and the internet would shut off. And you're just like, ah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Oh, it couldn't man. be on the internet. Yeah. And uh, right, your phone line would be blocked, right? Amazing. Yeah. Uh, James, after Riot hired you, you said they actually gave you the freedom to choose what role you wanted to fill in the broadcast, right? And initially you wanted to be a caster, if I remember correctly, but you ended up choosing to be a host because you thought the skill set of a host was the most similar to the skill set you would acquire from your training as an actor. Yeah. So in what, right, go ahead. Let me just clarify. I'll clarify a little bit on that. I, I, it wasn't like I was given carte blanche, like, hey, what do you want to do? And you'll get that role. Right. Um, in discussing like, hey, I do want to focus on being a caster. I was passed off to the lead of the esports department at the time mm-hmm. to have some conversations. And so it was, it was a back and forth between him where we discussed really what their needs were um, as a broadcast. And he identified, because the host role did not exist at that point. So in my mind, I was only thinking color caster or play-by-play. Yeah. You know, like they, those were the only two options. You wanted and to so do I was, see, right, right. So I was saying, I want to be a color caster. And he said, well, you know, did you, he basically said, did you watch the season three world championship? It's the first time we've ever had a dedicated host. What did you mm-hmm. think? I said, oh, it was good. He goes, do you think you could do that? Uh-huh. And I said, sure, why the heck not? You know, um, and so that's kind of what that's the genesis of it um and then we had a couple more conversations about what really it would look like before committing to it right so in what way do you think your training as an actor helped you in your role as a host um okay well in numerous ways but uh i think the the absolute most obvious is uh vocal training um you know our our bodies and our voices are our instruments as uh, communicators and casters and hosts and all of these things. And so without a doubt, spending 20 plus years of my life completely focused on my instrument and fine tuning it, having control over my voice, having clarity when I speak, all of those things became hugely relevant um, to me being able to sit on camera, speak confidently, read a teleprompter, not so confidently at, <laughs> at first, but eventually, you know, um, I think <clears throat> vocal training was quite clearly a, a, a huge base, you know, mm-hmm. for me to build upon. Um, beyond that, though, I would say then it becomes about comfortability in insecurity. Um, acting is always about um, exposing insecurities in, in mm-hmm. us as humans. I mean, we're, we're doing something very unnatural. Everyone who goes and sees a movie or goes and sees a play, they know you're acting like you're not actually (laughs) fooling them. You know, like they they consciously know you're acting. In fact, the audience is making a decision to kind of let that go, go, right? Participate Mm -hmm. in the in the film. And that's where they can really get pulled in. And I'm not saying that, you know, there's there's no difference between a good and a bad actor. There's definitely a a difference. But but the reality is everybody knows you're acting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. But it is about becoming comfortable in an uncomfortable and abnormal kind of circumstance. And same applies to live broadcasting. 
nothing about live broadcasting is supernatural, right? You know, like you're trying to present it like it's natural, but let's be real. Uh, the two casters just finished, uh, you know, casting. They do their wrap up and they say, now we're sending it over to the analyst desk. And this giant crane with a camera on it, starting back here, <laughs> pointing at the wall with a teleprompter on it, comes swooping down in, into the into the zone. And I'm trying to read it, you know, as it's flying down, like, hello, and welcome back to the State Farm Analyst Desk. And boom, 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 boom. And we're here and we land. And then, and how about that game, guys? And it's like, that is so unnatural. Nothing right. about that is natural. But right, right. when you become okay with it and you just kind of give into it, it becomes so much easier and it breathes so much more. And I just think that that is something that acting allowed me to do. It allowed me to be comfortable in those uncomfortable situations, breath control, um, uh, making, honestly, giving me the permission to make wild choices um, and kind of generate excitement. Again, sometimes you have to do work on it. It's work. Sometimes you have to do work. It may not have been the most exciting game of the week, but you kind of, mm -hmm. your job is still to sell it to some degree. Right. Um, so I'm acting sometimes right, if I'm being right. honest, right, right, there are right. so many things that go into it. Um, mm -hmm. and so I do really think I was set up well, um, having had an acting as a base. Mm -hmm. Uh, despite you being one of the most beloved hosts in the industry, it's interesting to me, you said you never stopped thinking about going back to acting. And in fact, you think about it every day. Yeah. <laughs> so if you do decide to go back to it at some point, could the fact you've worked in esports so many years now turn out to be a bit of a liability to you? I mean, no, it already has. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm wondering if you audition for a role and the director looks at your CV and sees 10 years working in esports. Uh, I wonder if that would put you at a disadvantage towards um, an actor who um, presumably kept auditioning for roles during all yeah, the years. It, it absolutely does put me mm -hmm. at a disadvantage. And that right. was something I was conscious of in moving into the space. And that's part of why I think, I think a lot of people don't understand why it was a hard decision for me 10 years ago to become right. a host. Uh, it was the toughest decision I ever made in my life. Very mm -hmm. strangely for a lot of, again, a lot of people to go, that's my dream job. It would have taken me half a second to decide to do it. And he's mm -hmm. saying he almost didn't do it. That's wild. Um, but it's a lot of, it's a lot for what you're talking about right now. Every second you spend, you know, outside of the, the acting space is a second where you become, I'm going to use this term. It might not be right, but you, it's almost a second where you become more irrelevant to the industry. Right. Um, it's so true for music as well. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and it's for multiple reasons. Number, I mean, one, yeah, just from a personality perspective, right? Like they, again, entertainment, they want to use the hottest person for, you know, in that moment for, you know, the, the role. But beyond that, um, you also, your skills degrade, right? I've spent 10 years not auditioning. I still think I'm a very good actor, but I've spent 10 years not acting. Right. Right. And just like a soccer, you know, you take a professional soccer player and you say, okay, don't play soccer for 10 years and then try and go back. Don't play piano for 10 years. Yeah, forget now, it. Now try and go back. Like yeah, you're, you're just going to be worse. You you're know, out. it's yeah. going to be very difficult. So, so without a doubt, it's a, it's a liability. Um, I say that there are some areas where it can also help me. Um, so I don't want to paint it all doom and gloom. Like, right. so my skills have degraded and yes, I'll be honest with you. Um, I'll even reframe going back to acting. Acting is something I'm always trying to do. My agents are constantly looking for opportunities for mm -hmm. me. So it's mm -hmm. not like I've spent 10 years not looking for anything. Right, right. 
But to your point, the feedback that we get most often when I get submitted for a project from a casting director is, well, he hasn't done anything for 10 years. And they don't care, guys. They don't care that I've hosted arenas, 80,000 people full and for hundreds, if not millions, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people worldwide, they do not care. They go, that's different. That has nothing to do. And they're right. I mean, they're right. I'm not saying they're wrong, but they don't even count my 10 years of this job as being even remotely relevant um, (laughs) to what they do. So no, it's incredibly difficult. Now, all that said, I will say there are also a few positives Mm -hmm. that come from it. They haven't necessarily netted me anything yet, but let's not ignore the fact that I have a brand and a following that I would maybe not have had. I mean, who knows? Without esports, right. But without esports, I would not have been elevated to a level as a public you know or you know uh, yeah public brand or personality <laughs> that i would have otherwise so there are ways in which that can end up helping you i mean right, right. ninjas ninjas a good example i mean different we're not i'm not saying he and i are the same but yeah. ninja's a good example ninja's been in film and television not because he's a good actor love you ninja <laughs> but um not because he's a good actor because, yeah, because he's of his popularity right right so um there is potential and there is a pathway to acting or to being a part of things that is more about just getting big enough to to warrant or demand that opportunity. The goal for me would then be to take that opportunity and prove that I'm also good enough, you know, and then ideally it becomes about, oh, okay, well, we should just work with him because he's a damn good actor. Right. So I just want to throw that out there as like, I don't always, it's not, you know, black and white. 100%, of course, of course. It's know, very interesting in to hear their perspective though. Uh, yeah. So James, I was just talking with Tristan the, uh, the other day and he told me it must have been around 2017 that you started showing up in his channel from time to time. Okay. 2017. That's what he, that's what he said. And every time he's you would type, probably right. He's probably right. <laughs> every time you would type something, the chat's reaction would always be the same. Is that the real dash? Yeah. And and (laughs) at the time, he didn't really know who you were. Uh, But after a while, he did find out more about you. And in fact, he told me one of the biggest confidence boosts he ever got in his career was seeing someone with your notoriety say so many good things about him. I didn't know that. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, he just, he just told me that. Uh, so how did you find this channel? Was, this, was it just totally random? Did somebody uh, kind of... Uh, it was totally random. Uh, like I said, yeah. I was just... I mean, I spend most of my time on Twitch in the Age of Empires tab. Again, I don't watch League of Legends. That's amazing. Outside man. of my job. So I probably still have more hours watched of League of Legends, but that's because for 10 years... That's all I did for work for you. Right. So Mm -hmm. when I came home, the last thing I wanted to do was watch League of Legends. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, again, in finding that Age of Empires 2 still existed, I started kind of diving into that. Initially was watching more of the high level players Um, in terms of finding T90. Quite literally, it was that he was the first caster I came across. So I finally, I'm, and I'm certain there were others. I remember, you know, again, um, I'm not trying to, yeah, again, like I've watched plenty of Mem. I watched plenty of Nilly. I watched plenty of Orin Liu. I watched plenty of, plenty of Dave um, as well nowadays. But at the time, I don't know if it was just, I came into the, uh, the category on a day where he was casting an actual event or if it was just random pro Mm one-v-ones. You just but got hooked, though. The, the fact that he was casting is what caught my eye. I said, right. oh, now I can now I can finally watch this game with 
the spectator perspective as opposed to just the a single person's perspective and so i got much more interested in watching it in that way mm-hmm. and since that he was the person delivering content in that way i just immediately dove uh, deep in his channel and mm-hmm. uh and yeah i mean so through all of the iterations i mean um from the original hidden cups onward you know um so you watch them all oh i've watched them all i That's i think amazing. i if i recall correctly <laughs> Was it only Hidden Cup 4? I mean, I've cast in a bunch of stuff, too. Yeah, I you've think cast in uh, Hidden I... Cup 2, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Hidden Cup, Hidden Cup 2, I think, yeah, exactly. Right. I was like, not the first one, but I think I cast in the second one for one series. If you go really far back, there's actually, this isn't casting, actually, but funnily enough, I played in a Doubt versus Viper show match, a 4v4 what? show match, way back in the day. <laughs> I was on Viper's team. We lost. It was a best of five. <laughs> we lost in the fifth game um how did you get in was it just totally random? it was it was like a um different it was like four different elos so it was like pro player uh, a 2k I a 1600 mm-hmm. and then like a 1300 or a 1200 and i was the 1300 1200 and i literally just like you know i think i messaged in the twitch chat like i'll play so <laughs> it know? was totally and, random <laughs> yeah like super random i think again some people knew who i was so all right all right you mm-hmm. know I, it helps to have that kind of name identity and then people go oh we should bring him in but yeah mm-hmm. i play i got to play alongside viper and um <laughs> and doubt like a long time ago got completely thrashed <laughs> um but yeah man i have been you know lurking and around in the scene m- longer than most actually i mean i think that's what's also been interesting about it is that really i got in just before i would say just before it started to explode, explode. on yeah, twitch yeah, yeah. you know mm-hmm. to the levels that we're seeing in the last three years yeah right um, i would Rage say Empire. things started to go really to really increase and explode around shortly before de version the de version came out it was when yeah. the yololo kingdoms patch started to become mm, more mm-hmm. popular and people started playing the new civs microsoft began you know um sponsoring tournaments here and there uh so how much do we actually play I, it goes in, it comes and goes in waves. And a lot of that is more dictated around my schedule and right. where I'm at in my life at the moment. Um, right now I'm playing a lot. Um, well, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I, I play mostly, I play mostly team games if I'm being team honest. Team games, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, largely because I, I, I am a very competitive person. And so if I play solo, like if I play 1v1s, I You're get mad. I, well... <laughs> I mean, I get mad at how not good I am. Um, Like, I get mad at myself, uh, largely because, again, it's a game that I think I understand pretty well. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I'm, you know, that's also kind of the reality of being a a host or a caster or broadcaster is that you generally get, you, you come to understand games better than you can play them. Um, and that can be a very frustrating position to be in as, as someone who is then also competitive, right? right It'd be right, one thing right, if right. I didn't care how good I was. The hands but I, don't do what the, what your the mind hands is don't telling do what you the to brain do. Wants. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I just haven't put in the time or right. really the effort to truly get better. Um, you know, I've learned my basic build orders, but even nowadays you've seen, or really the build orders that I learned back in 2017 and 2018 they're irrelevant not now, viable you know? anymore, yeah. Mm-hmm. oh yeah it's like i mean you know you used to do the what was it 26 vil fast castle people are fast castling off of like 23 vils nowadays and i'm like that right, is absolute maps, yeah. absolute <laughs> insanity though that people are pulling that kind of stuff off and so i'm like 
you know, again, I kind of got to a place where I was like, I'm okay, more so just enjoying this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I find that team games allow me to do that with a little le- a feeling of less pressure. But I play all the time, in all honesty. I mean, I played uh, that Nomad tournament yeah, with, uh, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Dave Bullet and, and T90 just uh, the other month. Um, but it, it definitely comes in waves. Uh, like right now, I'm going more back into League and Valorant because I just need to remind myself how these games work uh, mm-hmm. for my job since I will be working on both the LCS and Valorant a little bit still. Yeah, you just announced yesterday, right? You're going to be exactly. in Valorant. Congratulations, in, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I'll be in Brazil actually right before this um, Berlin event for, for NEC4. So, but yeah, so part of that is like, some of my gaming habits literally just follow what, right, what what's you my next right job. You know, like, oh, Absolutely. I need to learn about Valorant, so I got to go play that. But um, mm-hmm. but no, age, is, age becomes my game. It's usually like um, hanging out in Discord with friends and we're all playing together something else. And then kind of like as maybe people start trickling out for the night or we transition to our own things, I usually mm-hmm. hop over to age by myself and I just quietly, <laughs> I just quietly play Sweetly, a game or two. Awesome. Yeah, completely by myself. Awesome. And, I, and everyone's like, where's where's James? Where's James? Oh, he's uh, he's probably playing Age of Empires. Yep, you're right. <laughs> you know, I feel like this is the gaming equivalent of asking a lady how old she is. But what's your ELO, if I may ask? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm 1300 1v1s. That's pretty good. Um, That's so, pretty good. Well, wow. I, I don't know. Is it? I yeah. I mean, I mean, if you I don't know what the, about... I don't know what I don't know what the distribution is anymore, right? Like, typically, I look at that where I'm like, does that make me top fifty percent? Top average 15%? is a one k one thousand is average. average. So one k three, it's All right. uh, well above average. Good. I'll so, I'll take that. Awesome. I that's I've a... always said I've always said if I was actually gonna push, I would like to try and get over eighteen hundred. Like that would feel really good for me. Incredibly hard, I'd say. Oh, but- I know, I know, it'd be incredibly hard. I'm just saying, but that would feel that kind of feels like somewhere where I'd be. I'd feel happy and accomplished, but also knowing that I am light years still behind. You know, the the top class, the really elite players. Um, because yeah, I think in in a lot of other games where I have invested time, League, Valorant, things like that obviously we we don't use a strict elo system but like platinum diamond is usually the level right. i can get right, to right, right. Mm-hmm. and so i kind of usually hold myself to that standard when i look at competitive games you, look you, at should, be able, you mm-hmm. should be able to get to that like top five percent mm-hmm. but that you know anything past that is maybe unreasonable so that would be my goal if i ever went really hard who knows maybe i'll make a push right before i come out to berlin that way i can uh <laughs> i can like 1v1 dave or something like that uh, so I have to ask you this: Have you watched Red Bull Wallow Legacy? Um, the the Empire Wars the, tournaments. Yeah, right. The very last one. Have you watched? Yes, it? yes. Okay, uh, I the- watch all vods. Unfortunately, I can't watch this stuff live. Like I was at my own. I was at Worlds. Um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. again, like I said, I come back to the hotel and I put on <laughs> Age of the Wallow vods. Yeah, I watch all of it. Usually on like 1.5x, but on vods, and yeah, I watch mm-hmm. it all. So I'm a big fan of Riley Knight, the host of that tournament. So I, I love I, him. Right. I wonder what you make of him as a host because the colleague of yours, obviously. Yeah, oh. I absolutely adore him. I actually had a call right. with him just for the the first time ever. Um, God, maybe, well, right before Christmas, before the new year, mm-hmm. I finally got to talk to him just because we were talking about some career stuff. Um, but I had... I had finally had the opportunity to tell him that I thought he was a an absolutely phenomenal host. Um, actually, if you go back, I think I did this on the call with him. Um, 
Let me see if I can find it real quick. I'm Googling it. Dave-ass Riley Knight. A couple years ago, out of nowhere, I tweeted something about him. Mm-hmm. And he, he answered? No, he didn't. That's the okay. thing. Uh, I don't even, it's not even coming up off of Google search, but I think it was two years ago and mm-hmm. it was leading up to the esports awards, actually. And I think, uh, you know, I had been nominated and I, so I like quote tweeted. You recently won it for the I did. I won aware. it this year, but this, thank you very much. Um, mm-hmm. There was, this was a year I did not win, but was nominated, but I kind of like retweeted the tweet and said, like, you know, grateful to be a part of this right. group mm-hmm. or whatever. And then I said, but, and then I think I said, but you got to look out for people like this. And basically, uh, that's and, amazing. And wow. So Riley Knight and um, uh, Caleb Simmons, just known as Wave Punk on mm-hmm. on Twitch, is another big host. Those two, are, they're like, in my opinion, two of the best hosts that are still kind of underappreciated uh, or mm-hmm. underserved in the community. But I mean, he's an absolute rock star. I know that I've gotten tweets once or twice before about people being like, "Oh, you know, come in and host and." I take very firmly the stance that I do not want to host for Age of Empires. Okay. If um if a if an event demands a host, I think Riley is the you person get for Riley. it. That's amazing I, to hear. Okay. I, so tru- I truly do think That's so. Amazing. He look, I mean, come on. All you got to do is go back and watch that Wololo event, and there's no one better for that role, considering the game that we are talking about. Right. 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 And his knowledge of history. And things like just that fits so well, right? <laughs> this is all before we even get to him just being mechanically a great host. Right. But I'm mm-hmm. talking right. about yeah, the person who is right for the job. And I'm sorry, I am not right for that. Do I think I would do if if Riley didn't exist? Do I think I would do it well? Yes. But do I think I'm the right choice for the job when Riley Knight is lives in the same universe as me? Absolutely not for Age of Empires. So, for from my perspective, I'm a caster in age Mm -hmm. of empires, you know? Um, and that's, that's kind of the route that I would like to go because Mm -hmm. I feel like there's more, there's, there's availability there. You know, there's, there's still some need, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. that's a perfect, perfect segue to my next question. So you've, you've been recently announced as one of the four casters for NAC four. And for those of you not familiar with the age of empires scene, NAC stands for Neely's apartment cup, which you know is considered one of the grand slams of the tournament scene in age of empires. And yes, the first three iterations of this tournament were indeed played in Neely's apartment. I'm almost, I'm almost, I'm almost a little mad that this one isn't because I won't have gotten to experience the apartment. Right. Not going to be the case anymore this time around, though. And I'll put a link to the announcement trailer down below for those interested. So I, I wonder, how do you envision your role as a caster during the event? Are you going to be doing pure play-by-play? Will you be doing some analysis, too? Well, so I need to... Uh, in all honesty, I need to talk to Nilly a bit more about that because, okay. again, at least from from my my perspective and where I come from, it's not my choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, it's what does Nilly need need me to do? I assume that he has some specific caster pairings in mind that will be you know kind of played out most frequently. I'm sure then as has always been the case with past NACs, they will be swapping in pro players, you know, Mm -hmm, uh, into casts and things like that. Um, So I might have the opportunity to cast with multiple different people, but I think, yeah, off the top of my head, I would imagine you see T90 and Dave a lot together and myself Mm -hmm. and Nilly a lot together. Uh, That to me feels like a natural pairing. And in that pairing, you'd be doing mostly play-by-play. I would be mostly play-by-play. I think of all four of the casters that, you know, you see at NAC4, I'm the one who will be most 
uh, kind of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like specifically a, mm -hmm. a play by play, you know, Dave and T 90s approach is much more hybridized because they both very knowledgeable. Um, so I feel like the way that they approach casting as a pair is a little bit more give and take on both sides for myself so and Nilly. I think we'll have a little bit more of a rigid play by play color, um, relationship, not, not to say I don't know a thing or two about the game, but definitely would, would, yeah, would lean more on his expertise at times than, mm -hmm. than mine. And so then, interesting. Yeah, I'll be the hype guy. So interesting you would say that because, you know, I think right now in our community, I would say we don't really have what I would consider a pure play-by-play -play caster. And I think that's the case because most of our casters are used to cast alone in their, yes. in their own Twitch channels. So they sort of develop this style where they combine both caster roles into one. So yeah, would you absolutely. Say I actually think Mem Memb is your closest. Probably, right. Closest. Right. But even he, Sometimes Dave. to your Sometimes point, Dave. yeah, to your point, he, he largely casts alone on his channel. And so he has built up an incredible knowledge base and can deliver that as well. But I find that when I see pairings happen, he's the most willing and most likely to, to kind role. of to go more into play by play and hype and let the other person be the color or the I agree one hundred percent. Would you say that because Age of Empires is a somewhat slower paced game compared to other esports, it doesn't necessarily need a play by play caster, or do you think a good PvP caster will always enhance the viewing experience? Uh I mean I think if we you know if we're trying not to split too many hairs i think as a generalized statement you, that's correct you know it is a slower paced game even the the highest intensity moments in age of empires still relatively slow moving you know it, like it, it's a, a a nasty onager shot that kills 20 expos <laughs> or something like that it can is a hype moment but even the animation that of only that happens and that only slow, happens at the end and it happens right. once and at the end right you know right. so there is a lot of build up and there's a you know but but again to your point i think that because there can sometimes be only a few of those really hype moments, it actually, my hope is that it will, um, it'll showcase what a really, really, really strong play-by-play -play can bring to mm. the cast when they get it right. Like, and that I think is the difficulty of a, of a slower paced game is identifying the turning point or the climax of the game. Right. So sometimes the game ends and casters realize it kind of after the fact, right? You know, because mm -hmm. literally an engagement will happen. Sure, they'll talk about how it was an important engagement. And then, and then kind of like when the dust settles, they go, oh, shit, he's five villagers behind. The game is over. <laughs> you know, like in reality, the game is over kind of a thing. Um, and so I think having a good play-by-play -play or play-by-plays, the best ones will be able to kind of identify and build to those moments a little bit better and help the general curve or arc of the story of the game. Mm -hmm. um, but no, absolutely. I mean, you're right in that it is a less important role. I, it, I Maybe not a less important role. It's still an important role. Less needed, maybe. I just think um, maybe the emphasis on the, you know, talk fast, hype, uh, hypeness maybe is not lessened as because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're just, again, a, Age of Empires versus League of Legends, a big 5v5 team fight where, you know, individual players are going down versus, okay, two armies of 60 where some trade is made and one castle goes down. Like, you know, it just, it, it is a slower paced game. The way you win in Age of Empires generally takes more time. And so, uh, yeah. But that I think is also the difficulty of being a play-by-play -play in something like this. In, in League, it's very obvious. When all 10 champions start fighting, 
Get loud. Get loud. Start <laughs> shouting, man. And something's going on. Oh, my God. Oh, whatever. This team goes. You know, you know in, in I, Age of Empires, it's like they're dancing and shooting volleys of okay. arrows at each other. And, and they're split microing and dodging and no one's hitting anything. And, like, it's high intensity, yes. But you're like, I don't know when to, like, peak mm-hmm. in my voice because right, right. this could go on for two <laughs> minutes. Like, I've, I've watched guys micro battle for two minutes. And so, like, how do you – So true, man. How do you, how do you tell that story? How do you music – like, I – and I love that you're a pianist because a lot of the way I think about the flow of, of casting is actually through, like, musicality, right? You cannot – be the same note yeah, you the need whole to underscore through. the important parts right yeah it's not interesting to play the same note all the way through all but it's time, also yeah. not interesting to just keep going up be keep up going up time, you know yeah. you've mm-hmm. got to come back down and give yourself so a true man you know and something i'll never forget there was this time i was watching a broadcast of league of legends this was many years ago and the color commentator was speaking and at some point there was a team fight which was about to start mm-hmm. and the color commentator literally stopped speaking mid-sentence because it was clear so this yeah. is something the play-by-play caster is supposed to do it was such a mind-blowing moment for me he just literally just stops get out of the, the way middle. yeah right. just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah amazing uh james you know a lot of our pro players have been playing this game forever a perfect example would obviously be someone like doubt who's been at the top mm-hmm. of the game for almost 20 years now yeah. and because these players have been playing this game for such a long time they all have a very personal story within the game and that's something that we as fans are very very familiar with and something we love to talk about so i wonder how familiar are you with these kinds of stories Uh, more familiar with some than others if Mm -hmm. i'm you know all cards on the table obviously those who have been mainstays of the scene are the ones that i'm much more knowledgeable about right so doubt yo leary hera viper mbl um I'm obviously forgetting a few. That's a lot of them. That's a lot yeah, of sure, them. But, you know, oh, I mean, like, oh, I mean, even Vivi, who we don't see too much anymore. Right. But like there's uh, there's plenty of names out there that I'm quite aware of. Admittedly, the it's more of the the new wave of of top level players that I'm needing to learn more about. And thank God for T90's Titan League for that, because it's actually been watching that, too. Amazing. Oh, I, oh, yeah, man. I watch everything. I'm te- I'm not kidding when I tell you I watch everything. So, yeah, I mean, just just last night I went to bed watching um, a two day old VOD of of Dave and T90 for Titans League. So I was watching the MBL versus Yo uh matchup um as well as who was it earlier it was kingston versus uh miguel did kingston play miguel earlier that day i think it was i mean obviously they're all in groups of uh of six um so they they play plenty of people but like a bunch of people but kingston is a great example of a player who is much newer right and i don't know that much about his origin i just know that he's here right now and he's good um but i wouldn't be able to tell you what his kind of his way of getting to the top level was. So that's somebody that I'm going to need to, you know, do more research around Mm -hmm. uh, if he, if he makes it to NAC4, that is. Um, I guess to some degree, that's the benefit of NAC4 is that it is a small tournament. And so we're very likely to only get the very top echelon of players. Oh, I didn't say Nikov or Kapoch earlier, who are people I'm well aware of and have been watching. (laughs) I mean, again, like I'm guys, I'm not kidding when I tell you that I'm as much a part of this scene uh, as anybody else. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, also like I've met a lot of these people, funnily enough, when I was in Berlin last, I actually got to meet doubt Jordan Viper and Nilly all for dinner. We all went out to dinner. 
um, just because we all happen to. So they were in Berlin boot camping for the Red Bull tournament at Which the GL house. Which one would that be? The, this last year's. The Red Bull uh, Legacy. Or was it the, the one before? No, it was the year before. It was the year okay, before. Sorry. This year, yeah, this year, Worlds. So, yeah, because, uh, yes, exactly. Because uh, Worlds was in uh, was in Berlin, or I was in Berlin, mm-hmm. rather, mm-hmm. for Worlds. And so, yeah, while I happened to be there, they all came to the GL house. Oh, and I met Slam, too, because Slam went to that Red Bull. He was there. Um, at that he was group. there for that one, not this year's. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I met Slam there as well. But we went out and we got sushi. Uh, doubt is so huge tall. right <laughs> yeah oh my god i was surprised too <laughs> i was beside myself like i did not know how to interact with him you know it's like one of those things where it's i was just like i like my brain went blank i totally was like yeah. i don't know how to be around you i had um, the exact same feeling when i saw him for the first time he's, <laughs> he's so tall but i met um i spent most of that dinner actually uh, at the end of the table talking to jordan and then mm-hmm. Nilly a bit um, as well. I mean, obviously, I was talking to all of them. But, yeah, I've gotten mm-hmm. to meet all of those guys once already. Um, Hera um, is somebody who's I've spent a lot of time in his stream. He actually coached me for a few sessions wow. way back way back in the day. Again, we're talking like four or five years ago. Um, he, he coached me a few times just for fun. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I've been around, I'm aware of most of the, you know, the top level guys and their stories. Um, and then I am becoming more and more aware of, of some of the younger players as they, as they make names for themselves. I mean, like watching Sato play has been just such a treat most recently, um, seeing a number of the guys who are jumping up running, um, put on some impressive uh, showings early on in the Titans league uh, in just getting promoted Kingston as well. Draken even taking some games. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. It's awesome. Um, so if you're so familiar with the scene, do you have like a specific preparation in mind for the tournament or you're just going to be doing what you do anyway, every day? Um, largely it's, it's going to be continuing to do what I do, right? Which is just consume the content Um, because being keyed into the scene and the conversations that the community is having is the most, is is generally the most important thing, right? I want to make sure that I'm generally touching on the storylines that people care about. So that means being aware of what their conversations are, right? Right, Okay. Community's talking about this player. Let's make sure we know what this player is all about so we can further their story. Beyond that, um, I need to link up with Nilly. Uh, some other stuff has kind of dominated my attention in the last mm-hmm. few weeks. So it's time for me to link back up with Nilly as we move into NAC qualifications. Qualifiers, yep. Because uh, my hope is to get some casts in with him for the qualifiers. So we awesome. can get some reps in ourselves. Maybe also get a cast in with with Dave. Who knows? Um, uh, and then Would same thing on for stream. T- that would hope that would be ideally on stream. Um, because awesome. again, I need to, yeah, uh, I just need as much, I need as many reps as I can. Probably gonna try and cast some T90 Titans League as well, uh, where I can. But I think, yeah, in the coming month, so for the month of February, I think people will start to see, um, more age content on Twitch from me, maybe even playing maybe. some as well. We'll see if I, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I play age a lot, but I'm always scared to stream it because it's so stressful chat like chat, chat well can be hard <laughs> i'm not even worried about chat because actually chat, chat's generally very supportive at least of, yeah. at my level you know um but my issue is that i can't age of all games that i play takes the most focus 
from me, right? When I want to, like, I can kind of turn my brain off and play League of Legends and mm-hmm. respond to chat, you know, and mm-hmm. interact with people. As soon as an age game starts, I won't read a single message from chat until the game is over. So I just feel bad because I'm not very interactive. I'm like, I am mm-hmm. so laser focused and even still screwing so much stuff up. So I think a lot of we'll, people we'll can see, relate to that. Yeah, we'll see if I play any age on stream, but I'll, I'll definitely be trying to cast some of, uh, the qualifiers in some T90s Titan League um, to um, to get some reps in. Because I think that's a lot of what it is when it comes to myself and Nilly. We've we've cast together once, maybe twice mm-hmm. total, you know, okay. uh, in the years that we've known each other. So a lot of, of our initial work is going to be about just, you know, figuring out the way each other thinks. You right. know, what mm-hmm. are our tendencies? What are our habits? The more I can learn what his natural stopping points are, for so you speaking. know when to take over mm-hmm. and we're yeah. not we're not jumping on top right, of each right, other right, you know all right. that kind of stuff right like the 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 reality of of being a good caster pairing is working out a lot of those mechanics um right. and then figuring out how our energies play off of each other right mm-hmm. um i'm curious to see how anili and i iterate as a duo because he's got this incredible dry humor that right, are we prepared that, for that? That's, that sometimes <laughs> I'm worried that sometimes I'm going to take him serious, you know, like I'm going to take him seriously when he's joking. And then I'm going to think he's joking when he's serious. <laughs> like, I can't wait for it. It's one of the reasons why I love listening to him. I love listening to Dave and Nilly as a caster duo mm-hmm. because, because they'll do the same thing to each other. And then sometimes I'm literally there and I'm like, are they just fighting? Stops, right? Well, yeah, I like I'm literally like, are they mad at each other? Like I like there are times when I think that and then like it's never the case. But literally in the middle of a cast, I'll be like, did he just piss him off? Are they mad at each other? What's going on here? And like, Dave, yeah, Dave will just like stop. Yeah. And, then, and, and Nilly, and Nilly goes like one or two more times like with the same. Yeah, I love it. But <laughs> obviously we got to we got to uh, we have to build our own synergy, our own, you know, kind of relationship with each other. So that's what a lot of the initial and kind of early work will be spent on is making sure that we work well together. Um, I think as individuals, all of us are prepared enough to talk about the game, um, but it's about how do we tell those stories together. All right, James. A lot of our professional scene is centered around casters. For example, three of our so-called Grand Slams are actually organized by casters themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. NAC is organized by Nelly, Hidden Cup by T90, and King of the Desert by Mem. And that means that even if someone doesn't enjoy the commentary from one of those guys, they usually still respect the work they do in just supporting and developing the competitive scene. Now, as I told you before, I personally am a huge fan of your work. I've been following your career for years, and I couldn't be more hyped to see you cast an Age of Empires tournament. But when the casters for NEC4 were announced, a few folks were quick to ask, why is this League of Legends guy taking Mem's spot? And again, I believe a lot of the sentiment comes from the fact people respect the work Mem has done for the community, mm-hmm. and they feel like he deserves a spot casting at the land. To be clear, of course, you're not taking anyone anyone's spot. I mean, you, you didn't just invite yourself. Uh, <laughs> but I think it isn't crazy to imagine that if uh, you had declined the invitation, Nelly might have reached out to Mem sure. because they've actually been a casting duo for several tournaments now. So I wonder how do you view this whole situation? Yeah. Um, so let me try and tackle this uh, like uh, from a couple angles. Uh, first and foremost, I love that people are you know uh, are shouting from the rooftops about uh, wanting to see to see Mem Memcast and supporting him. That's the way it should be, right? I imagine a similar circumstance happening in the League of Legends scene, and I would want, I would hope that you know people within that scene are you know shouting about 
this person who has dedicated so much of their their life, their time, their energy, and their passion uh, to the game. Um, and I love seeing kind of a community rally around uh, those those figures, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what should happen. I think by the same token, right, we want to see our scenes grow. Uh, and so that's where I would say to most people, uh, it's up to me to prove that I'm deserving of this opportunity. Um, and, and as you said earlier, I'm not, my goal is not to take anyone's spot. I think, uh, esports scenes are big enough for many, many people. My hope is that we grow age of empires to a point where there is the space, mm-hmm. you know, for more than four, more than six, more than right. eight casters. Right. Um, and so I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful to Nilly for the opportunity. I'm grateful to the community for, you know, hopefully giving me the space of this event to prove myself. Um, but really, I guess, yeah, my, my, my perspective on this is it's only positive. It can only be positive to bring in more people, larger audiences and things like that. Um, I am in no way attempting to replace Mem. I could never. Uh, that guy is an absolute workhorse. Mm-hmm. The number of hours that he puts in to Age of Empires just boom flat that as a statement is is astronomical um he has incredible passion which i hope to be able to match it will Im- be embodied in a different way we are different people you're not gonna mm-hmm. see me you know try and be mem uh mem would never try and be me um but yeah no i i guess my perspective on all of this is um that one i think we can try and look at it as an opportunity to expand the scene um, and that's what I'm hoping to do. I'm hoping that there are going to be people who forgot that Age of Empires existed, right. but who who know who I am and and want to support me, who are now going to come into the Age of Empires scene and help the Age of Empires scene move to yet another level. Like we've already surpassed to such a degree what I thought Age of Empires could ever get to in a revival. Me neither. Me neither. Like how much further can we go, man? I'm like strap in, seatbelts on, I'm ready to go. Um, and I want to be a part of that. Um, and I think that um, I would encourage everyone to be open-minded because that is ultimately how scenes grow, right? Is that we we open our arms to other people, new perspectives. Yes, that does mean some iteration, some change, stuff like that. But I think it'll ultimately only benefit, uh, you know, the scene in the future. Um, I don't know if that's such an effective answer to your question. It's, it's a tough one to answer because I do recognize um, that, I am an outsider to most to a lot of people. I don't consider myself an outsider in this scene as right, we've kind because, of gone through throughout right, this whole right. interview. But I know that for a lot of people, I am one. And so I'm going to try and be as respectful um, you know, to that as I can. I ask for the same in return. Right. Um, you know, from people to please be respectful of my time in, in the scene and give me a little bit of time to grow. Um, nobody was great out the gate. I wasn't great at hosting the league, uh, league when I first started, um, T90 will tell you he wasn't good at casting when he first started, right. Uh, for age of empires. So without a doubt, there's going to be some bumps along the road, but I hope that at the end you see my passion for the game. You see my, uh, desire to help the scene grow, um, and my love of the players. And I think if I can get those three things across throughout this event, um, uh, on top of then just having the repetitions to get better as a caster, uh, that we're going to have a good time. And, and then hell, maybe the next event, we are in a position as a, uh, as an esport to have six casters, right. you know, to bring Mem back in and to bring Riley back in, 
Or again, we get to a place where, and here's, this is a crazy one, guys. Think about this. The game gets so big that you can have all these casters and they don't work every event, just like League of Legends. I don't host every league in the world. And if you want your sport to grow, there's a harsh reality that at a certain point, not everyone can be a part of everything. And so that would be maybe my final kind of nugget is like, maybe take this as a sign of how well the scene is, uh, you know, like how healthy the scene is that we're at a place where more people still want to come in to get in and, and to be a part of it. And nobody's left up a Creek without a paddle. There are so many events now throughout a year that are run either by people within the community or the big, you know, ticket events that Red Bull comes into or, or whatever, but we're getting to a place where now there are options uh, for more people to step into the space. Um, and so, I don't know, that would be my, um, my positive take on all of this is to me, this is a sign that we finally, that age of empires is moving into yet another tier of, you know, of, of esport um, because we're getting to a place where more people want the job than there are roles. Um, but ultimately that's a good thing. I think. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's an awesome answer. And I will say your passion for Age of Empires is palpable in this interview. So I'm oh, very, <laughs> very, very happy for that. All right, James, I imagine one of the reasons you're actually available to cast NEC4 is because your professional situation has recently dramatically changed. Again, this is something your fans are obviously well aware of. But for the folks in my audience who don't yet follow you, roughly one month ago, you've announced Riot had informed you they had decided to restructure the broadcasting format for the LCS and they wouldn't be needing a consistent desk host anymore, right? Yeah. And that means that for the first time in almost 10 years, you will not be a regular member of the LCS's broadcasting talent. I imagine at first this must have been incredibly hard to stomach. So I guess the first thing I want to know about this is how are you now? <laughs> no one's really like asked me that pointedly recently, obviously throughout the whole process, people ask me. So I yeah, that's why I'm asking you because I was yeah, missing I, that question. Well, one, I appreciate the question. Thank you. Um, I'm good. Um, there are definitely, you know, better days, you know, better days and worse days. Um, I think anytime you do something for a decade and dedicate, almost all of yourself to that thing for for that decade like i really didn't do anything else for mm -hmm. a decade mm -hmm. um it, it's going to be hard to step away from it or to change your relationship to it which has been what the last six to eight months has been for me since i found out because i found out a long time ago right, um right. So again, what was weird about it is I took like six months to kind of come to terms with it. And I thought I was in a really good spot. And then I made the then announcement came back. Yeah. Well, I made the announcement and I saw how the community reacted and it, it just brought a whole nother flood of like emotions up to the surface that I was like, okay, cool. I haven't dealt with any of this, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. time to, time to like, almost like therapy. I was like, oh man, I gotta like actually sit with my feelings and get through it. So with another month since that has happened, I, again, I feel in a much better spot. I think part of mm -hmm. that is because I know a bit better about what my year looks like. Okay. Again, I went from having like a full calendar every year for a decade to having nothing on my calendar, um, which is very scary that as a scary. freelancer. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, all kinds of thoughts jump into your, like I was, I, I bought a house uh, almost two years ago. 
I I'm I've been considering selling it. You know, they're like all these kinds of things jump into your yeah. brain about like I don't know if I can afford to keep you know whatever. So plenty of plenty of bad, but I think um, in the last couple of weeks things have kind of really started to uh, move in the other direction because of things like this. You know, like I'm I'm filling up my calendar and I'm starting to see what my life looks like. You right. know, uh, without the LCS as my mainstay, and so having locked down the Valorant contract. I'm still going to be working on league a little bit and having mm -hmm. that contract solidified, having Nilly reach out for this event and getting those, like getting those flights booked and stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I can kind of look right, two, right. two to three months in the future and it's not just a, a wasteland. Um, so I feel a lot better now. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a lot better now. Um, I'm excited about being able to make some of my own content stream more often on my own uh, and dive into some other games again. Uh, how many years I have been talking to Nilly or T90 about doing an event, you know, mm -hmm. um, while again, I've done occasional casts here and there. I've always talked to them about, and Nilly has invited me year over year to be a part of events. And I've had to turn really? it down mm -hmm. just from a scheduling perspective that finally this year I could say I'm doing it. And, and I committed. So no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a much better place now. I think we're finally, we're going up. We're, you know, we've started the the upward climb again, um, which means that it's going to be a year of a lot of work, but I think all good things. It's a reality that a lot of people, I think, are not aware of, right? As a freelancer, if something like this happens, it's just so hard to deal with it at first, right? Because you yeah. depend so much on this. Yeah. Um, right. It I, would be one thing if I could hop on to unemployment, you know, like in losing a full-time job and know that I'm still getting money for a few months. I That's not an option for a freelancer. We go, I go from making money to making no money right, and having right. no jobs uh, and trying to fill my calendar. So again, luckily, I have an incredible team around me, a manager and agent who are super supportive and, and they put in a lot of work. Oh, by the um, way, uh, Brianna, uh, your agent, I've been talking to such such a nice person. Brian so Brianna, helpful all the time. She's amazing. Such uh, like, yeah, literally. I'm 31 years old, but she's like the adult, you know, you know how like sometimes you're like, I just need an adult. And I'm right. like, that's Brianna. That's like when, yeah, I'm usually, you know, she like, I know I've screwed up when I get a text message from her. Cause like, she'll send me like an email. You and if I don't, it. if I don't respond it, but then if I get a text message from Brianna, I'm like, oh, I have something I need to do right now. Like mm -hmm. she, <laughs> but I love her for it because she keeps me honest. She keeps me on track and, um, she, uh, she fights for me. And, um, and then I, I'm sure you had the experience with her. She's on top of it, man. Right. Like if you need answers from her, She's great. So I'm blessed to have her on my team and having that kind of support around me uh, has been awesome. Having the support from the community. I mean, the way that the League of Legends community kind of banded around me when all this was happening has been phenomenal. And I have felt that support, uh, you know, up until today. So feeling great. Awesome. James, about to let you go. Um, every time I hear a company talk about restructuring, in my mind, that almost always means cutting costs, whether mm. they openly admit it or not. So when I see a company like Riot not fighting to keep one of the best talents in the industry, such as yourself, I wonder what that means for the future of esports. And, you know, I keep hearing people say that right now esports is an industry. It's just this big bubble. You know, mm. on one hand, you have tournaments with huge prize pools. You have players earning very good salaries. And on the other hand, you have teams that keep struggling to turn up a profit. So just the other day, I was reading an article about the FaZe Clan, you know, one of the oh, largest yeah. esports organizations, which might be on the verge of bankruptcy. Yeah. Do you fear that the bubble might be about to pop? Definitely. 
um, if it hasn't already to a degree. Um, because I think you're seeing kind of that constriction of investment in teams. And that's where I'm seeing it mostly. It's more about seeing budgets for teams than budgets for games or for um, esports broadcasts. Um, because I think developers are not necessarily the people that are hurting for money, right? Um, and that's the benefit of being a game developer who also runs the esport and the league and has the broad broadcasting rights and, mm -hmm. you know, all of that, right? So they, they have complete control, which is not what you see in traditional esports. Um, where I where I really see the bubble is when I look at teams, when I look at roster moves. So like in League of Legends, because you can kind of very clearly see or you have an idea of what players are worth. Mm -hmm. So when you see rosters get put together and you go, okay, that's a cheaper roster than the roster they had last year right, right, or right, something right. like that, you start to see constriction in investment as well as all of just the blatant layoffs, right? Almost mm -hmm. every single team org has had layoffs um, in the off season. So to me, that does, that does indicate that people are constricting because we realize that we've kind of over, we've pushed and overvalued, but also to everybody who's not like a super, I'm not a super economics person. That also <laughs> is just generally the way the world works is mm -hmm. right. Inflation and overvaluation. And then we market Back correct, to reality and, and you just do that. Like it's literally that over and over again. Um, mm -hmm. And so that it's also not in, I want to just point out that it's not unnatural in life cycles of, of sports that you have periods of great investment and then constriction and then mm -hmm. great investment and then constriction. Right. So to one, so one, maybe this will help with some concerns. It's natural. That is supposed to happen in business and in life in general. But um, I think what can be scary about East for me, what is scarier about esports is actually just the longevity of any individual sport, right? Um, what happens when, technology becomes obsolete and therefore games become obsolete what happens to all of the investment into league of legends when league of legends just is no longer either a playable game a popular game or whatever right mm -hmm. um those are the things that scare me more what happens when vr becomes good enough that mm -hmm. people stop using computers like i have a keyboard and a mouse okay well <laughs> one day long? right one day we're not going to use keyboards and mice to control computers like i just you know i one day they, we used to ride horses now we drive cars right like things are going to change and when that happens i don't know what how the infrastructure of esports and the current games persist the benefit of traditional sports is that they use human biomechanics so they're always relevant we so as true. humans mm -hmm. I mean, unless we live for another million years and evolve into, <laughs> you know, underwater fit, you know, like then, okay, then all sports become irrelevant too. But <laughs> until that happens, you know, the humans are not changing as fast as technology is changing. And so mm -hmm. for my bigger concern for esports is actually the rate at which technology is developing more so than money. Like there's always money. Um, again, I think I've strayed away from your question a little bit when it comes to like me being let go or the idea of like, investment i truly don't think that letting me go was purely a money thing i'm sure mm -hmm. i'm sure it was on somebody's mind like there's no way around that mm -hmm. i cost money so obviously right um that but i don't think that like i don't think that i was the drop in the bucket that they couldn't sustain you know i don't think that like my salary or my day rate was what would have made or 
broken the league. And so I don't think the decision was made as a result of that. I think the decision truly was made as a result of data that they had seen around the success of viewership of the league and the health of it and just deciding that they needed to do something different, very mm -hmm. wildly different. Um, and so, yeah, changing the relationship of, uh, of my role or just removing my role from the broadcast they felt like was a, was a good answer. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we're very clearly in a bubble. I'm not generally worried, like, for what that means overall for esports. Like, I think esports are going to continue to exist. Yeah, we're going to constrict for a while. Then we might see another expansion mm -hmm. um, or something like that. But I wouldn't be worried for esports as a whole. I would be more worried for individual games as technology develops and as new games release. Uh, again, we all know what that experience is like for something to go from, like, the hottest game in the moment to be completely replaced the next day by a different game that is made in the same genre. So yeah, my concern would be more like what happens when a new MOBA releases that makes mm -hmm. League of Legends obsolete and that whole eSport might collapse. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, but that would be more my concern than right. less money. Right. James, this has been such an insightful interview. I had a great time, and thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I'm incredibly hyped to see you at NAC4. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to be there, but if yes, I, oh, I demand, hope so. I demand to have a beer with you. And It shall uh, be had. Thank you so much for your time, James. Thank you so much. Uh, likewise. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on.